Section 2 of The Reconciliation of Races and Religions by Thomas Kelly Chain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Part 1 The Jewels of the Faiths. A study of the chief religions on their best side with a view to their expansion and enrichment and to an ultimate synthesis and to the final union of races and nations on a spiritual basis the crisis in the christian church is now so acute that we may well seek for some mode of escape from its pressure the old broad church position is no longer adequate to english circumstances and there is not yet in existence a thoroughly satisfactory new and original position for a broad church student to occupy shall we then desert the old historic church in which we were christened and educated it would certainly be a loss and not only to ourselves or shall we wait with drooping head to be driven out of the church such a cowardly solution may be at once dismissed happily we have in the anglican church virtually no excommunication our only course as students is to go forward and endeavour to expand our too narrow church boundaries modernists we are modernists we will remain let our only object be to be worthy of this noble name but we cannot be surprised that our church rulers are perplexed for consider the embarrassing state of critical investigation critical study of the gospels has shown that very little of the traditional material can be regarded as historical it is even very uncertain whether the galilean prophet really paid the supreme penalty as a supposed enemy of rome on the shameful cross even apart from the problem referred to it is more than doubtful whether critics have left us enough stone standing in the life of jesus to serve as the basis of a christology or doctrine of the divine redeemer and yet one feels that a theology without a theophany is both dry and difficult to defend we want an avatar that is a descent of god in human form indeed we seem to need several such descents appropriate to the changing circumstances of the ages did not the author of the fourth gospel recognize this certainly his portrait of jesus is so widely different from that of the synoptists that a genuine reconciliation seems impossible i would not infer from this that the jesus of the fourth gospel belong to a different age from the jesus of the synoptists but i would venture to say that the fourth evangelist would be easier to defend 
if he held this theory the johannine jesus ought to have belonged to a different eon another image of god well then it is reasonable to turn for guidance and help to the east there was living quite lately a human being of such consummate excellence that many think it is both permissible and inevitable even to identify him mystically with the invisible godhead let us admit such persons say that jesus was the very image of god but he lived for his own age and his own people the jesus of the critics has but little to say and no redemptive virtue issues from him to us but the blessed perfection as baha'u'llah used to be called lives for our age and offers his spiritual feast to men of all peoples his story too is liable to no diminution at the hands of the critics simply because the facts of his life are certain he has now passed from sight but he is still in the ideal world a true image of god and a true lover of man and helps forward the reform of all those manifold abuses which hinder the firm establishment of the kingdom of god i shall return to this presently meanwhile suffice it to say that though i entertain the highest reverence and love for baha'u'llah's son abdul baha whom i regard as a mahatma a great souled one and look up to as one of the highest examples in the spiritual firmament i hold no brief for the bahai community and can be as impartial in dealing with facts relating to the bahais as with facts which happen to concern my own beloved mother church the church of england i shall first of all ask how it came to pass that so many of us are now seeking help and guidance from the east some from india some from persia some which is my own case from india and from persia baha'u'llah's precursors such as the bab sufism and sheikh ahmad so far as persia is concerned the reason is that its religious experience has been no less varied than ancient zoroaster manes christ muhammad the noon the introducer of sufism sheikh ahmad the forerunner of babism the bab himself and baha'u'llah the two manifestations have all left an ineffaceable mark on the national life the bab it is true again and again expresses his repugnance to the lies of the sufis and the babis are not behind him but there are traces enough of the influence of sufism on the new prophet 
and his followers. The passion for martyrdom seems of itself to presuppose a tincture of Sufism, for it is the most extreme form of the passion for God. And to love God fervently, but steadily in preference to all the pleasures of the phenomenal world, is characteristically Sufite. What is it then in Sufism that excites the Bab's indignation? It is not the doctrine of the soul's oneness with God as the one absolute being, and the reality of the soul's ecstatic communion with him. Several passages are quoted by Monsieur Nicolas, footnote, Beyond Arabe, pages 3 to 18, on the attitude of the Bab towards Sufism. Suffice it here to quote one of them. Quote, Others, that is, those who claim, as being identified with God, to possess absolute truth, are known by the name of Sufis, and believe themselves to possess the internal sense of the Shari'at. Footnote, the orthodox law of Islam, which many Muslims seek to allegorize when they are in ignorance alike of its apparent and of its inward meaning, and have fallen far, very far from it. One may perhaps say of them that those people who have no understanding have chosen the route which is entirely of darkness and of doubt. End quote. Ignorance then is, according to the Bab, the great faults of the Sufis. Footnote. Yet the title Sufi connotes knowledge. It means probably one who, like the Buddha on his statues, has a heavenly eye. Prajna Paramita, divine wisdom, has the same third eye. Havel, Indian sculpture and painting, illustration 45, whom he censures, and we may gather that ignorance was thought to be especially shown in a crude pantheism and a doctrine of incarnation, which, according to the Bob, amounts to sheer polytheism. Footnote 4. The technical term is association. God in himself, says the Bob, cannot be known, though a reflected image of him is attainable by taking heed of his manifestations or perfect portraitures. Some variety of Sufism, however, sweetly and strongly permeates the teaching of the Bab. It is a Sufism which consists not in affiliation to any Sufi order, but in the knowledge and love of the source of the eternal ideals. Through detachment from this perishable world, and earnest seeking for the eternal, a glimpse of the unseen reality can be obtained. The form of this only true knowledge is subject to change. Fresh mirrors or portraits are provided at the end of each recurring cosmic cycle or eon, but the substance is unchanged and unchangeable. 
as Professor Brown remarks, quote, The profit of a cycle is naught but a reflection of the primal will, the same sun with a new horizon. End quote. Footnote NH, page 335. The Bulb. Such a prophet was the Bulb. We call him prophet for want of a better name. Yea, I say unto you, a prophet and more than a prophet. His combination of mildness and power is so rare that we have to place him in a line with supernormal men. But he was also a great mystic and an eminent theosophic speculator. We learn that, at great points in his career, after he had been in an ecstasy, such radiance of might and majesty streamed from his countenance that none could bear to look upon the effulgence of his glory and beauty. Nor was it an uncommon occurrence for unbelievers involuntarily to bow down in lowly obeisance on beholding his holiness. While the inmates of the castle, though for the most part Christians and Sunnis, reverently prostrated themselves whenever they saw the visage of his holiness. Footnote NH, pages 241, 242. Such transfiguration is well known to the saints. It was regarded as the affixing of the heavenly seal to the reality and completeness of Bob's detachment. And from the master we learn. Footnote Mirzajani, NH, page 242, that it passed to his disciples in proportion to the degree of their renunciation. But these experiences were surely characteristic not only of Babism but of Sufism. Ecstatic joy is the dominant note of Sufism, a joy which was of otherworldly origin and compatible with the deepest tranquillity, and by which we are made like to the ever rejoicing one. The mystic poet. Faridoddin writes thus, Joy, joy, I triumph now, no more I know, myself as simply me. I burn with love. The centre is within me, and its wonder lies as a circle everywhere about me. Footnote A, Hughes, Dictionary of Islam, Page 618b. And of another celebrated Sufi sheikh, Ibn al-Farid, his son writes as follows, quote, When moved to ecstasy by listening to devotional recitations and chants, his face would increase in beauty and radiance, while the perspiration dripped from all his body until it ran under his feet into the ground. Footnote. Brown. Literary History of Persia. 2. 503. 
End of section 2